0: You're listening to Me Search, a podcast featuring Filipino perspectives.
1: In this show, we talk to trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses in the community to find out more about what they do.
0: Join us as we learn and get to the
1: bottom of things. Stay tuned.
0: Hi, Dustin.
1: Hey, Crystal. Hey, Me Searchers.
0: Hey researchers. Every, every time you say that, I know we've said that a few times already, but it just makes me happy.
1: It's rolling off the tongue a lot smoother now. Yeah. Like it feels more natural. And I like the way that it sounds as opposed to hey everybody because it's yeah. like we are here to build a community and yes. like labeling something or naming something, naming a group makes it more real for us, makes it more real for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I really uh, enjoy the fact that we decided to switch over to that practice of calling y'all me-searchers because um, you're welcome in this space.
0: Yes. I love it. I
1: love it. I I love love it. it. I love love it a lot. I
0: love it (laughs) a (laughs) lot. Shout out to Jim Carrey. (laughs) I know. Dude,
1: seriously. um, I was in a chat with a colleague and we were just exchanging GIFs or GIFs uh-huh. <laughs> and like yeah. literally there was just a long string of Jim Carrey gifts. <laughs> so I feel like that is a synchronicity for us today. Yeah. Because.
0: Yeah. It's a I sign. I can't wait till there's a moment where I can use do not go in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, I feel like Jim Carrey. So funny. I know, I know. I feel like Jim Carrey really shaped so much of our generation's humor. I can only speak to myself, but I feel like a lot of the folks that I meet, um, and especially that I vibe with Mm -hmm. in our generation, have an undertone of Jim Carrey kind of (laughs) humor.
1: It's very much physical and facial Uh Yes. And over the top? Yes. And he can he can pull it off.
0: Yeah, he sure can. And his intonation about certain things, do not go in there! I feel like I'm doing it wrong, because that doesn't feel totally right. Like, I need to, like, come back to that.
1: But if anybody and, didn't know that quote, it still sounds very Jim Carrey.
0: Yes. Yes. And even, like, I, I, he changes, like, I don't know. Anyway, maybe we'll get get into that another time about uh, yeah. Jim Carrey humor because yeah. I feel like that is very specifically us. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Anyway,
0: <laughs> thanks, Jim.
1: Thanks, thanks, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> we've got a great show for folks today. <gasps> yes. um, I am not in this interview. Oh my! God. But it's also fine. We recorded it. Well, I should say Crystal recorded it when I when I had the cove. So thank you, Crystal, for holding down the fort. I really like listening back to the interview. I really wish I had an opportunity to meet the guests that we're about to to, uh, share with the masses in this episode because she seems pretty badass.
0: She sure is. I missed you, though. I missed you. Uh,
1: Well, (laughs) I miss being there. Um, Before we launch into sharing the interview with the folks, I have a question for you. Okay. What... Is your relationship to fashion?
0: Ever since I was a kid, I, I've I've loved to just throw on things and play with makeup, and um, not just as uh, a tropey girly thing, which is not it. Makeup is for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I've just loved makeup and and putting clothes on ever since I was really, really little there's a lot of photos of me just just trying to express myself through um my own clothing and a mixture of my mother's and my thehan Nancys and my grandma's um but yeah, I love fashion in that it is a a means to outwardly show what's going on inside
1: mm-hmm.
0: um. And for me, I feel like I have very eclectic style um, because I feel like I'm not just one thing. I'm not just a lover of streetwear. I also love really dark, um, kind of alternative feels. And in a previous episode, we talked about how um, my colors are yellow and noir. So I feel like Yeah, sometimes I'm very like florals and cutesies and let's wear a headband. But other times I like wearing kind of deep, dark, uh, kind of funky, weird pieces because that is also me.
1: Yes, and I can see that about you. And in this moment, for folks listening at home, Crystal is wearing yellow and black. (laughs) Yes. And I really am digging this whole style. I know that you're probably like just chilling at home.
0: I sure am. I definitely
1: appreciate the aesthetic that you were bringing to the table in this moment. Like you've got your big headphones, like very like circa early 2000s, 1990 something. And then you're like Nike beanie with like the orange swoosh. And it's like a bright yellow, like the cap is bright yellow. And you're wearing your like big big baggy like black t-shirt and you're holding a freaking Care Bears mug <laughs> like the whole thing just works for me I like it
0: <laughs> thank I like you it. it's a vibe
1: yes it's a vibe you are your whole thing is a vibe and you ain't even trying
0: oh my god thank you yes
1: yeah I yes. like it I wish I could be cool like you when I grow up <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. You're already cool, boo. You're already cool, boo.
1: Thanks. I feel like my relationship to fashion is a bit different. I wish I could play around a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But I think my approach to perhaps, like, buying clothes has always been, like, "Eh, what's the cheapest? Like, what's the most functional and practical? What can I wear in all different occasions? Mm
2: -hmm. So, like,
1: I tend to buy things that I can wear in the house, at work and on like casual in casual settings. so like chinos, I wear a lot of chinos or like khakis mm-hmm. um, things that I could dress up or dress down. Uh, I have a lot of button ups these days just because as a professional you need to have you need to have things with buttons as opposed to like <laughs> zippers or t-shirts. yeah um, but I definitely like just wearing sweats and like t-shirts and like gym shorts at home. I think. My relationship to fashion as an industry is interesting because, like, I do like watching runway clips. And, like, I I do enjoy watching, like, makeup tutorials. Mm -hmm. I do like watching TV shows where they show how, like, photographs are made. I do follow a lot of, like, aesthetic things on, like, Instagram. uh, Aesthetic brands on Instagram. So I enjoy all of the work that gets put into an aesthetic image or a brand image. Mm -hmm. Um, But myself, I wish I could play more in fashion. I like, I I tell, I tell folks like, oh yeah, like I'm going to get a septum piercing. I'm going to like dye my (laughs) hair. And like, that's never been my identity, but like maybe I'm having a midlife crisis and I can give myself the permission to explore these new things.
0: Give it. Give it. Give Give it it to yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. If you ever want to go shopping. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go. Also, speaking of relationship to the industry, Mm -hmm. um, I am not a super rich person. (laughs) So I definitely can't afford a lot of expensive pieces. But what I have been doing is I'm also with you in that I want to buy pieces that are versatile and timeless.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Um. So lately, I think within the last few years or so, I don't buy clothes as frequently Mm -hmm. because I'm looking for quality. And even if I can't. Purchase something that's, like, quality. Because, honestly, y'all, like, I'm still buying things from Target. Ooh, that's my secret.
1: (laughs) I get a lot of stuff from Target, too. Dude,
0: Target has some great fits, let me tell Mm -hmm. you. But I don't buy as frequently as I used to, whether it be fast fashion clothing or um, more expensive pieces. I will save up for some more expensive pieces because... I know it'll last and I'll pick pieces that, yes, can, can go on for years and years and it won't go out of quote unquote style or whatever, Mm -hmm. but also fuck style because your style is your style, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have, I want to, I want to be a sustainable, um, I want to be sustainable in my fashion, and I'm with you on that. In that, yes, I will buy, I will buy pieces that are more practical. But then sometimes I kind of splurge on the things that are like way funky, and I I want it.
1: Yeah, I I want to also splurge on funky things.
0: <gasps> let's do it. What yeah, do you wanna, let's go what shopping like, sometimes. Like what kind of stuff? Like are you into like outerwear or like shoes or like. Um, I don't know. What is like a funky piece that you might want to get?
1: I want to get, you know what I want to try? Like mm. a matching top and bottom set situation. <gasps> I never like have had like that sort of moment.
0: Can I help you find something? Sure.
1: Maybe like at our next photo shoot for like season three or something, we can do yeah. like something hip and cool like that.
0: Hell yeah. I have some matching sets. I love a matching set. BT dubs.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. I have a few matching um, sets as well. And I'm just. They're, they're for summertime.
1: Yes. Um, Perfect. So... Because summer is almost here.
0: And Dustin and I are going to Hawaii in a couple Hawaii. weeks. <laughs> for Patrick's wedding. Shout, oh, out, yeah, to shout out to Patty.
1: Shout
0: um, out to Patty. BFF of the pod. Yes, but yeah. Now that we've kind of gotten a little info and feelings about our fashion feelings, <laughs> 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 shall you? Uh, would you like to introduce our our guest of the day?
1: Yes. So in this interview that you'll all be hearing in just a moment, Crystal got to speak to the incomparable Caroline Mangosing who is the brain behind Vinta Gallery. So we are going to hear all about how that brand started and the mission behind all of that. So let's get into it.
0: Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Everybody, welcome to Me Search. Uh, it's your girl Crystal, and I'm Sans Dustin. Today, he's not feeling well, uh, but uh, Me Search continues. And today, we have founder and creative director of Vinta Gallery, Caroline Mangosing. Woo-hoo! Yes. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being with us today. We are in love with your work, especially, oh my goodness, me and my husband are huge fans of yours. I told you wow. earlier, but I just wanted to mention that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get started. Um, can okay. you tell us how you
2: got into the fashion industry? Oh gosh, am I in the fashion industry? That's the question. I think, so. Ooh. Uh, I think of myself more of a cultural worker. As okay. opposed to a fashion industry. I'm so like in my own little bubble in fashion. Right? Sure. Because this this company started as a social enterprise um within the Filipino Arts and Cultural Center that I had founded in Toronto. Amazing. Yeah. So I was making culture, sharing culture, uh, teaching culture, <laughs> um, having festivals about Filipino stuff and, uh, people would always call the center and be like, do you have barongs there? Mm. Or, mm. you know? Um, uh-huh. so I started thinking about it because I was always doing projects in the Philippines too. Like I would get grants and send artists like Filipino, Canadian artists from Toronto to Manila and do like a little exchange. Cause I have like a good kind of circle of artist friends over there. Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so I thought well I could just go and on my trips I can just like buy a bunch of barongs, bring them back and sell them and then the the earnings would go to running the center and then I thought you know what no (laughs) I'm gonna design it and yeah gonna find someone yeah because I went I actually went to fashion school before I went to art school it was my first love Mm -hmm. um and I did internships in New York, um, and I was really disillusioned by the industry because I was 24, and I didn't see myself in it. I mm. was there, but I was very much an outsider, and it was like – I was in photography by this point. I took fashion design, and then I went into photography, and I was doing fashion photography. And then, you know, all the photographers are men, and then all the women are models – There was like nothing in between. So I'd walk into the studio to try and, you know, work it out. And they're like, look at me up and down, like, you're not a model. It's like, I didn't say I was a model. What? That's it. You're too small to carry stuff, to carry gear. Right? Ew. And then just everything else, like living with models, going out with models, doing the whole thing, you know, like, um, I did intern with, uh, David LaChapelle, who's a big fashion photographer in the 90s, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hated the scene. And so I was volunteering to teach photography in um, somewhere in Brooklyn, um, in inner city youth. And I was like, I want to just work with youth. So that's what I did with. Kapisan and Philippine Center for Arts and Culture. And, um, and then this opportunity came up to like, oh yeah, you can't get a barong in Toronto. And there's, you know, a good, at that time, I was probably like 300,000 Filipinos in t- living in Toronto. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna design stuff. So I did, I started with three barong designs and two ternos. And wow. it was made to order. So I, I would take measurements and I would send it back to the Philippines. My cousin helped me out on that side. And we had a master couturier who sewed everything. And she's still with me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. She's about to retire. Uh, but <gasps> yeah. Um But she would make the dresses one at a time. The barongs one at a time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that's... So I always feel like I'm not really in the fashion industry. I'm still in... In the culture producing kind of side of things, you
0: know? Yeah, that's interesting. So, what for you is the intersection of
2: fashion and culture here? Mm. That's that's exactly exactly what I'm straddling, right? Because I love fashion. I mean, I it was what I wanted to do. I went straight into fashion school after high school like in high school i designed an entire collection and i sewed everything myself worked on it after school every day and had my own little fashion show in the gym and then went into fashion school and then um really kind of had a hard time with pattern making so I was like (laughs) i think i'm gonna drop out in the last semester Basically. And then I did photography and then I just kind of abandoned the clothes making aspect of it. But I've always loved fashion as a medium, as an, an, an expression kind of thing. So, and then I got into, you know, pursuing being Filipino instead yeah. and just like really deep diving into that getting politicized, reading feminists, black feminists in university nice. and, you know, like really digging deep. And then after that, I did films. I produced now my husband's films. Um, wow. And we all did. We only ever did Filipino content after the filmmaking. I did a TV series or a TV show and like a feature film, a couple short films. Um, I got into starting Kapisanan. Which is the cultural center. So it's like I'm just being I've just been a culture producer. Yeah. For for all this time, right? And then fashion is just like another iteration of the culture that I'm yeah. exploring now. And then it has kind of combined my first love and the thing that I I, you know, just feel really passionate about. And the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, is Filipino culture. Yeah. I don't I don't have a problem with non-Filipino people wearing Vinta Gallery. Um, but I write humongously long product descriptions because I tell the story of each garment. <laughs> and you better yes. tell that story when you're wearing it and somebody's asking you. <laughs> yes. What are you wearing? Absolutely. It's like memorize that product description. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here's a monologue for you to memorize.
2: but I, that's, I, I actually, you know, like my operations manager is always like, you know, you you could probably just like not write so much. Like I'm like, no, no, no. It's there. People have the option to read it. Most people don't. Um, but it's there. The story is there and it's intentional. And I am still the one that writes all of the product descriptions.
0: Yes, I love that. Mm -hmm. Educating Mm -hmm. while getting into something freaking fire, y'all.
2: Yeah. Chic mystique. Chic Filipino. Yeah, yeah.
0: We don't see traditional Filipino clothing weaved into a lot of fashion design. I don't see it on the runway. It's not often that I see it um, on the street, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about why it's important to you to specifically bring this aspect of our culture into the world of fashion? I know we already talked about how like people are gaining the stories. But is there anything else that you might want to share as to why it's so important that there is this intersection of culture and fashion?
2: Mm -hmm. To be honest, I don't really care what fashion thinks about filipino cultural fashion um Mm. i make this stuff for us right and if other people are into it and you know what you're wrong because it's all over the runways we just don't get credited you know Mm, valentino dior all of those big designers have ripped it off um who's the other one that was i saw recently jean paul gautier and I know Jean-Paul Gaultier knows that it's a terno because he worked in the Philippines for Pierre Cardin and personally had to attend to Imelda Marcos. And I have a Tita who confirms this story because she partied with him. And okay. on his, on his retirement, um, runway couture show, there was, um, that one white model who <laughs> I can't remember her name, but she was wearing a jumpsuit with humongous terno sleeves. No one, say anything about it i you know i post it but it's like you know filipinos don't know what to do with it either it's like oh shoot that's right he's ripping us off but we're not like so gung-ho to defend it right and you know like valentino had like a exact barong tagalog on his runway belted it put it in on a woman In 2014, I have that in all of my decks, (laughs) all of my investors' decks that I did early on. It was like Valentino be ripping us off, like you know. But there's no credit to um, to Filipinos, and and I read the interview of they have like really long Italian names, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. But the designers of Valentino at the time um, credited being inspired by Mexican cultural clothing. Mm. it was a barong it had two slits on the side it was half open buttons cuffs and embroidery exactly like you would see a barong at sm in manila when you go to the philippines you know um so yeah like i i don't want to take up that fight (laughs) i don't want to be the one having to battle like hey anna wintour look at us, you know, like, I don't care. I'm just kind of like, I'm making this for me. I'm making this for my fellow Kababayans mm. to wear, to have this story because we're all searching and we're all trying to find something to hang on to. And here it is. This is it. And it's made by your fellow Filipinas and Filipinos. Well, mostly Filipinas in the Philippines. <laughs> yes. Um, By hand. And you know, so that's that's where my thing on that fashion is It's like you know we had um Isaiah Maxino, who writes for Vogue and nylon, and he wrote um a feat a little feature along with other um Filipino designers um on in nylon magazine um recently, and I think it was like the first time it had ever been mentioned in. A magazine like that, you know. So, yeah. And he also wrote about his own experience with um, the Barong in W Magazine. And when I saw that and I read it, I actually shed a tear. I cried a little bit. I was like, "Oh, Aww. W Magazine was the magazine that I would save up for to buy when I was in fashion school. And wow. Vinta Gallery was mentioned in there, so I was like, <sighs> "Yeah." Yes, 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. so wow. yeah of course i mean like i feel so validated and, and that kind of thing but in terms of like a fight or trying to pursue being seen by those people i don't care but if they see me yeah. then yes okay come to my table
0: yeah yes yeah. come to your table mm-hmm. because screw the table that's been made
2: yeah yeah come to my table <laughs> yeah, <ka inna.
0: laughs> All right. But you, you know, like, I love that you are bringing people from the Philippines into this conversation as far as making the clothing that you have on Vinta Gallery. Can you talk more about that? And, um, what it means to be a sustainable and ethical line of, of clothing. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I come from the nonprofit, right? So I feel mm-hmm. like, um, that's my ethos. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't gonna try to start this. And this business started out as a social enterprise. Right. And I, and I think that I don't like using the term social enterprise because when, when kind of capitalists look at it, they just go, oh, that means you don't make money, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. no, it means I have a social consciousness <laughs> yeah. and I'm running a business, you know? It's not, mm-hmm. um, you can't look at it separately from from yeah. the way that I look at business, you know? So, you know, it makes sense for me to, number one, get it from the Philippines Cause, I swear it's made the best, and yeah. h- how am I gonna try to do this kind of embroidery here? Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that, <laughs> and yeah. why would I go? And I was getting like, you know, the, the spam emails from like Vietnam and Malaysia, Indonesia for embroidery, like mass. Um, manufactured embroidery type of stuff and I could totally do that they could totally make varongs for sure but why would I do that that would totally betray the entire kind of intention of this um project right? right so and then I looked into factories and who could I get to make this stuff and I had manang Lita, who is my master couturier who made my wedding dress um, in 2004. That's how I met her. Um, and she's just one woman. But it's like she made my wedding dress from a technical drawing that was emailed to my mom, and my mom printed it out and handed it to her. And I gave her my measurements, and then the dress came in a FedEx box. Perfect. Wow. And, and then I was like, Manam? <laughs> we're going to make something happen with this. So I was like, already had this brilliant couturier who's just this humble lady who's worked for very big designers in the Philippines and she just worked from home. She just had clients. So I thought, okay, well there's her and then I could just build around her and then I could, it will always be, I know that it will always be her quality, you know, and I don't have to, worry about it. I mean, quality, it's like every run, every design, we still have to look at it, but it's like, I want to be able to have say and be able to control that. So for sure, that's like, that's a total business decision for me that a lot of people were like, huh, why are you making it yourself? It's going to be more expensive. I'm like, yeah, because I would like to pay them a sustainable living wage. Yeah. So, but it's still the Philippines. So it's still 50 pesos to the US dollar, we're still saving and we're giving them a job and like offering employment that is, you know, pays well. So I thought that's what I want to do. And I wanted it to be in a house because I had this, like, you know, Christian Dior fantasy where I have this. Atelier in a beautiful old Victorian mansion kind of thing, but it's that's not how it is actually. (laughs) It's more like a three-bedroom bungalow and BF homes, you know, like in like a suburb in the Philippines kind of thing. But I wanted it to be in a home. I wanted it to be comfortable because so these are all the things that I was thinking of. Like traffic in Manila is bullshit. It is death trap. Okay. So if you imagine people trying to commute 12 kilometers and it takes an hour and a half, that's like, that's some um, six, seven miles and will take an hour and a half. It's like, what is your life if you're commuting? So right. I wanted to have a house where I can have people stay there. So you sleep there during the week and you don't have to do the commute and you have mental wellness. You're rested. You don't have to hustle. And they're not commuting in a car either. They're commuting in an open jeepney. Okay. Or a tricycle. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we offer it. Not everybody stays all the time. But um, it's there. So people can rest and chill and, you know, watch YouTube after they finish sewing. So oh, these are the awesome. kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like These are the kinds of things that I was thinking about because it's like if I thought it—it it was purely selfish. I was like, "What would I want? I don't want to travel that much. Yeah, I don't want to sure. like that." If and then I'm sewing all day, and I'm like, you know, doing this kind of nitpicky work where it's like you have to be detail oriented. It's like I don't want to be exhausted. So that's how I think. That's really how I thought about it. And then it's really simple. It's like it wasn't any. I don't go by any of these standards that people like, yeah, sometimes I will buy synthetic blends. I have used polyester now, um, because it lowers the cost for my customer. Um, but I'm very mindful about what I'm using it for and how I'm using it and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, when I first started, there was this woman who was doing her PhD in like sustainable fashion and that kind of thing. And she was surprised that I was talking about social sustainability and not environmental. Mm, so I was yeah. like, well, for me, it's really about trying to give Filipinos in the Philippines a job where they can have pride of work and not have to take all these side hustles so they can just put food on the table and send their kid to college. You know?
0: Yeah. They're the hands that make these beautiful pieces and yeah.
2: That's hard.
0: It's hard. It's hard.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And it's like, I'm a hard boss in that way because I'm very particular about quality. And because it's like, I'm paying you a lot. Our customer is paying you a lot. So we need to deliver something that's primo, like heirloom quality, right? So like the inside has to be as beautiful as the outside. And our sewers all came from factories, even my manager in the Philippines used to work for a mass manufacturing kind of company. And she um, kind of encouraged the sewers that she worked with to join Vinta Gallery when she came to work for me. And so they're not used to sewing a garment top to bottom because factory style is piecework. Mm. And they can work up to a minimum wage by sewing pieces and it's counted And that's how they make up their minimum wage for the day. They don't have an hourly, they don't have a salary. So they're, they're, they have to sew fast, right? Right. So I'm like, no, I don't want that. I don't want fast sewing. Um, I want good sewing and you have to learn how to put the barong together yourself sleeves yeah you know like the the pattern pieces are cut and bundled together and everybody gets handed one and they have to make the whole thing top to bottom so it slows everything down in slow fashion right yeah but they're not yeah. paid by the piece they're paid a salary with benefits so
0: as they deserve and mm-hmm. you know and I'm glad that you know as the head of this company you're having that compassion for your workers and we don't we don't see that very often and I just put I, myself
2: in their shoes right it's absolutely like that's the, yeah you know uh, just trying to be em- empathic you know like empathetic like well if I had to do this then this is what I would want <laughs> a place to stay absolutely. so I don't have to travel in a jeepney every single day twice a day right so I was yeah. like man yeah, this is it and then as a business person, I want to be able to control everything. That sounds <laughs> kind of evil, but. And look what yeah. happened. We had a global pandemic and my, all my workers had a work from home situation. They all stayed in. Know. They didn't go home. There was no public safe. Transpo. Safe. They brought, some of them brought a couple kids in, like family members. And then they were a little bit jammed in the, in the house, but. They were there the palenque was three blocks away they continued working we continued producing and people kept buying
0: style wise i Uh me and my husband were talking about how like it's so cool to kind of see like this traditional like filipino culture come into play but it also feels like there's Um, some streetwear kind of like feeling and of course the couture pieces and wedding pieces. Um, Where do you see the vision and the style going for Vinta gallery within the next five years? Is that something you can share with us?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, I just think that I am just part of the long trajectory of the clothes. Yeah. Because when we think of traditional, what do you think of? When you I think, think of, of a theranos. traditional terno, what does it look like? Close your eyes and imagine. What does a terno look like when you think traditional? Mm.
0: Like um, kind of the material that you're wearing now, the high sleeves, the uh, a very long dress. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe and-
0: like light colors.
2: Mm-hmm beaded embroidered mm-hmm. right um and that's like really ceremonial but if you look throughout history it's like the women in the palenque in 1890s was wearing a barot saya mm. you know that's it was contemporary so we look at it as like something that's frozen in the past but it yeah. was always evolving throughout the years so, mm. I'm just taking it up. Like people quit the Filipiniana because of the Marcoses. Mm. Because well. everyone hated Imelda and people abandoned the Terno and it's like, "Yo, you're going to let the Terno die with that woman?" Come on. Nah. It's not It's her. so beautiful. <laughs> That's why she was the queen goddess of the Philippines. She we was can beautiful. It. That's right. She was you know, sartorially flawless. I'm sorry, but I can say that because I really think she was that. But it's like, will she be the last? <laughs> no, cannot be. You know, she and she had access to all the Filipino, the best Filipino designers. So it's like, okay, well, let's we wear take that too. back. You know, yeah. why are you going to associate the beautiful dress with the the evil lady. Right. So that's what, when I was like, and you know, it wasn't just me thinking this. I think that the kind of, at that time, there was a a resurgence and kind of looking at it as a sartorial choice for Filipinos. You know, people were coming back around to having Filipiniana dress coded events, but before they didn't have to label it Filipiniana. Everyone wore Filipiniana, even up to, to the sixties. You know, it just was. It's just what it was, right? So, yeah. what I'm doing, I like. It's a misnomer to call it modern Filipiniana. I just call it that because of SEO hashtag. <laughs> <Yeah>. Modern Filipiniana. <laughs> the algorithm. <But> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's actually contemporary Filipiniana. It's current. Okay. Mm, yes. Right.
0: Yeah. We're, absolutely. It was always
2: current. Throughout the history, it was always current. I'm just taking it up and making it in the, you know, in the way that I want it to follow trends. And you know, the Philippines was very cosmopolitan because it was the gateway to Asia. So all of the trade routes from Europe, North America, the new world, whatever, it all went through the Philippines. So we had influences from around the world. French lace, Belgian lace. Um all of that embroidery that was being done in the Philippines were inspired by European lace that was being brought in by the Spanish. So we're Teach us all, something,
0: Caroline.
2: <laughs> we've been fashionable. We've been part of the global um fashion kind of narrative. Right. Ever since. Amen. So I'm just continuing it. Yeah. Um,
0: What are a few tips or actions you would like our audience to take from this conversation?
2: Um, I think that, I mean, in the context of Vinta, Mm -hmm. I think that people are a little bit like, oh, shoot, it's expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like the idea that you have to take care of the thing that you buy and then you think about how many times you can use it. So something like this, and also like the the versatility of the garment that people take for granted, because they have it set in their mind that you only wear a barong for a wedding or a baptism. It's like, Mm. no, no, no. Women wore these clothes and men wore these clothes throughout history, just walking down the street. (laughs) Yeah, yeah doing their everyday thing you know like I wore this to the barbecue the other day and I wear it over a bathing suit and I can wear it with like really nice palazzo pants and put heels on and it looks dressy so there's so many different ways that that you can wear it and you just take care of it you don't throw it in the wash you wash it by hand you know and you know like it's it's that kind of idea and then And then of course you, for me, like the way that I wear things, I always have like the staple bottom and then usually it's a vintage thing because I love the fit. If I find something that does fit me and it's like anything made in the eighties still looks like new, (laughs) they were just (laughs) made well. So it's like doing that kind of pairing and, and having like a capsule like I'm pretty boring. I am a black, gray, white type of person, <laughs> <laughs> and so you'll see a lot of black in my collection. There's always something black in my collection mm. because it's it's what I wear. That's the ones that those are the samples that end up in my closet um, <laughs> and I wear it over and over again, and so it's like the idea of not repeating is just uh-huh. like no, I like if i wear this over and over again people will recognize me like oh you're wearing that baron. it's like yeah and it becomes your uniform and it becomes part of your identity Ugh, i love that yeah i, love that, I idea. love that you know it's like yeah and don't i look nice every time amen <laughs> <Right>? yes <laughs> right? so yeah. it's like i don't get sick of it i don't know Yeah. So it's, it's that kind of idea. And then, you know, every once in a while, if I want it to look extra trendy, it'll it'll be depend, you know, I'll wear some shoes that are new or, you know, sunglasses usually is my go-to super trendy accessory that I'll buy (laughs) because I don't shop much. So it's like, I'll put on the sunglasses and it updates the whole look.
0: Yes. It's so true, because I have some of my mom's old pieces from, like, the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they look new. It was yeah. just made well. And it's like, yeah, how you take care also, of it. Also, your mom probably
2: all- took care of it really well, like all of our tea does and moms. They took care yeah. of their shit really well. Take care of your shit. Take That's care of your all. shit, y'all. Don't keep throwing it in the dryer. Stop using the damn dryer. <laughs> 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 Don't put it in the dryer. Gentle wash, cold, always (laughs) hang to dry. There you go, y'all. This is how we do laundry. (laughs) Yes, totally. Because the hot makes the microfibers go into our water. Mm. And then if you're wearing mostly polyester, then not good. Dropping the knowledge. yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: drop in the knowledge you know y'all.
2: There's another thing that I want to take up with people because this is a challenge for me and my team and speaking to people. They always say, "Well, I'm an American size 8," or "I'm an American size 6." It's like, "Do you know that there is no such thing as standard size? That sizes are made up by every brand individually. It's proprietary." Nice. So, when when someone is looking at my thing, on the size chart on the website, and they're like, well, it says here that I'm an extra small, but I wear a medium, so-and-so brand. And it's like, did you measure yourself? Don't measure with a ruler. Measure with a tape measure. And you'd be surprised how many people don't know how to do that. Mm. This is why I think they need to bring home ec back for boys and girls and all the other genders. For everyone. Yeah.
0: Okay. I was, I was really lucky. Um <laughs> Yes. In, in, because I went to school for theater and we had to take costume design. It was like mandatory as part of like our curriculum. And I had yeah. to learn how to measure myself and others. So I'm like, oh, this is actually very valuable information because yes, sizes are different across the board. Across the board. And it's, it's like. And it's like vanity
2: sizing now too, right? Yes. Like a 26 isn't really a 26. It's more like a 27 and a half. Like if you actually measure the the waistbands and, and that kind of thing. But like on Vinta, a 26... Actually, we don't even go that small. (laughs) My extra small is a 27 waist because it's me. Yeah. So people are like, oh, your sizes run small. I'm like, no, they actually run big because I would like to think of myself as an extra small. (laughs) (laughs) And then the the extra small people who are like actually a 24-inch waist, they're like, it's too big. I'm like, get it tailored. Get it tailored because... If I make it too small and it doesn't, it only fits five people in North America, then that fabric is wasted. If you get an extra yeah. small that you have to take in two inches, it's possible, you know, but I can't make something bigger if I've made it too small. So our, our right. sizes actually run a little bit big, just a little bit.
0: Well, thank so, you for that. So mm, we can kind of get rid of this whole fat shaming
2: debauchery. Tape measure. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's fine.
2: And you, don't believe the hype with fine. all of those sizes. Yeah, don't believe the hype on vanity sizing. Cuz like back in the 80s, I would have been a size 8. And now Zara wants me to believe that I'm a 4. <laughs> but no. It's an 8. Like I fit in all of my 80s like high-waisted pleated pants are size 8s.
0: There you go, y'all. Mm -hmm. You're here
2: first. You're fine. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, where can people go to learn more about you and your work?
2: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, we have a fairly active blog on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, Every once in a while, we blog some stuff. um, And mostly about our garments. So Mm -hmm. the artist who I work with in the Philippines um, his Instagram is Alaga Atsining. Um, okay. he does all of the illustrations for all of
1: beautiful.
2: our embroidery. And coming up, we're going to have some prints. So we're doing <laughs> exclusive Vinta Gallery prints that Alaga Atsining have has um illustrated. Cool. it's beautiful. I'm very excited to um, share it with everybody once we're ready but um yeah so a lot of his barongs or a lot of his designs he always submits to me like a three paragraph artist statement and the first time he did it I was like who is this kid he's the best. I love him so much, and it's like okay. So then, that's why my product description was like an essay, and I was like, okay, no, I'm gonna start taking it, taking it out of the product description and putting it into a blog post because there is a story behind his whole process of how he designed the pamanang panini walabaram.
1: You know, there's like.
2: There's a whole story there. So all of the flora endemic to the Philippines that he's put on our barongs, you know, it was like another way of like, you know, we would jam it out and we would talk about how we're decolonizing the barong because the embroidery was always the European influence. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. Because before they had these piña shirts that were worn by the pintados, And they wore sheer fabric so you can see their tattoos because that's their status. Right. And, and the Spanish brought the, the embellishment of the embroidery. Oh, there you go. Drop in more knowledge. (laughs) So all of that stuff, all of that stuff, you know, like we, we kind of write about that kind of stuff in, in the blog. So I have history of, of the barong and all that kind of stuff.
0: And what what is the uh, website where we can find this blog and also uh, your line and any uh, social media where we can find
2: you? Um, So the website is Mm Vintagallery.com and our Instagram is at Vintagallery. Um, We're on Twitter. It's Vinta underscore gallery. Um, And we're on Facebook. I, I, I think it's just Vinta Gallery. I never go on Facebook. <laughs> I don't I quit Facebook a long time ago. But we have presents there and <laughs> um so it's there. Um but yeah. That's that's where you can find us. Awesome. We'll we'll
0: yeah. definitely be keeping in touch with you and y'all check out Vinta Gallery for sure. Their clothing is fire. Um, Caroline, thank you yes. so much again for joining us. This was such a wonderful conversation. And I'm so excited to share this episode with everybody. Y'all, this was Caroline Mangosing.
2: <laughs> ah, thank
1: you. Yo, you did a good job.
0: Oh my gosh, I was hella nervous because I didn't have you there. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to do this? But this is your just, first
1: one by yourself. Yes. Okay. Yes. And well, you did great. Oh, thank you. Major I props. that. Yeah. I, I feel like, I, I know I've said this before, but uh, our interview skills and yours is, as well, like individually, improved
2: over the past like year and a <laughs> half
1: or however long we've been doing this. So, yeah, I can tell you did a great job.
0: Thank you. I'm still learning and I'm still, you know, picking out and teasing out all the pieces that uh, I wish I did better on. But those are all constructive criticism for myself. That mm-hmm. is all constructive criticism for myself. And I look forward to improving yeah. as the years continue.
1: And we can always fix things in post.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Absolutely.
1: But you know what I think helps is like the live streams that we <gasps> do on Kumu.
0: Yes.
1: So shout outs to Kumu because. Shout
0: outs to Kumu.
1: That's a that's, uh, really good practice for us to engage in real time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Yes.
1: So, so we, 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 we Ooh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: who wants to go first
1: (laughs) um let me ask you what your takeaway was having gone through that interview solo
0: um my takeaway was that I love how Caroline identifies as someone who is producing expressions of our culture over someone who is in the fashion industry and listening to her talk about the business, for example, like how she pointed out Filipino culture has been part of high runway fashion, of course via v cultural appropriation
1: mm-hmm.
0: from big names like Valentino, whom I did look back at a spring twenty twelve ready to wear collection, and y'all, that is definitely a barong. Uh-huh. That is definitely a barong. And I, I also saw some photos of folks in our community taking pictures with um, mannequins during that time wearing the collection and being excited about it, which I understand the excitement. It's like, oh, my gosh, yes, I see myself in high fashion. Mm-hmm. I see myself in Valentino's pieces. But guess what? He didn't give us credit. <laughs> so it's just crazy how um that has been going on for so long and even me I I remember purchasing a dress um for my album release party from Forever 21 when I was able to still wear Forever 21. <laughs> Twenty one clothing, <laughs> y'all. The sizes are really fucked up, like we talked about in Caroline's interview. But um, yeah, it had terno sleeves. Mm-hmm. But did I think twice about that at the time? Yes and no. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like it, but I I didn't think too hard about it.
1: They but sold terno sleeves at Forever Twenty One.
0: It was a dress with high sleeves. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just crazy how much our culture is infused into fashion, but we are left unnoticed.
1: Yeah. Just
0: like now the Ube trend at Trader Joe's. Uh, <laughs> it's like, interesting. we're from the Philippines. Ube's from the Philippines. <laughs> um, I love TJ's, but I wish they gave us a little bit more, more cred for that. Yeah. You
1: know? It's... Um, it's- I think, though, it's a good learning opportunity. And like what, what Caroline was sharing in the interview about her product descriptions, like she, took, she didn't care like who purchased her clothing, but she was very adamant about like making sure that the consumers had access to the information so that they could learn the history.
0: Yes. And speaking of, which I love this about her, again with the, the – um cultural producer. Mm-hmm. So Mike got me a gift from vinta Gallery. He got me uh, a necklace. It's a Linglingo necklace and let me tell you what I got in the package. So there's a little card that shared the background of the piece. And so for the Linglingo necklace that I got from Mike, It said the earliest surviving examples of linglingo dating back to around 500 BC were found in Taiwan, Vietnam, and the Philippines. The name linglingo comes from the Ifugao name for these ornaments. The linglingo at present has gained popularity as a symbol of Philippine ancestry and pride. More importantly, fertility and feminine power. These linglingo pendants are made by one of the last brass casting families in the Ifagao region and is ethically sourced from the Manila Collectible Company and it's a beautiful piece let, let me show it to you boo because I have it right here Look at this.
1: cute yes take a picture let's share it on our social media
0: I will I will I yeah. will I wear it every day Thank you to Caroline and all of the people that she works with in the Philippines to bring our culture into um, the fold. But it's been in the fold, (laughs) you know, but thank you for for taking such care of our culture uh, with these items, with these pieces, because, you know, it really gives so much more meaning to this necklace when I know the history of it and what I'm wearing and what it represents. And I love that she's spreading that awareness and those stories through fashion.
1: Love it. That's a good segue to my takeaway. Caroline is very, very much about giving back to the folks in the Philippines. And when she says that her brand is sustainable, particularly that's with a focus on social sustainability. And giving back to the people, particularly doing the labor,
2: uh-huh. making sure
1: that they have a sustainable wage, making sure that they have accommodations that are safe and take care of like their overall wellness. Yeah. Um, I think back to her descriptions of the home that she uh, acquired for the folks working uh, for the brand, making sure that they didn't have to commute in um, high traffic areas making sure that they had a place to stay, and especially during the pandemic where you had to be more mindful of like where you went and
0: uh-huh. how you
1: traveled. That was something that kept her business alive, and I think when you put people first, uh-huh. you're able to survive hard things. Her Her company, her brand, her business is an excellent example of that. One other thing that comes to mind that... Uh, is really interesting and stuck with me. In the conversations about cultural appropriation, her approach has been, let me just do my thing. Let me build my own table. Let me make sure Mm -hmm. my people are good. And then we can work on all of these other, like, outskirt conversations about cultural appropriation. That's a battle that she cares not to fight. Uh, I respect that because she's doing the work to give back to the people. Yes. Um, And I know that cultural appropriation is like a super sensitive topic. um, And it is something that we should be speaking about. And she is participating in the narrative and the and the conversations. But her way of approaching conversations around who owns culture, who owns um, images or textiles, is let me just, again, focus on the people. Let me give to the people. um, And let me just make sure that this culture survives. Yeah. So she's doing her part to create for the people and create things by the people. I enjoy that. I like that about her.
0: Yes, she's badass. She, it is so badass. And also, let's give a huge ass shout out to her master uh, couturier. I don't. I don't know how to say that. Her
1: couturier. that sounds right to me. Couturier. But also, I don't know how to say it. Master couturier. Yeah. I... Couture is a word, right? Yeah, master couturier.
0: Yeah, let's give it up for Estelita Lagman. Estelita Lagman.
1: Is this this is Manang Estelita?
0: Yes. Hey, yeah.
1: Shout outs to her.
0: Yes, she's re, she's
1: the one retiring. Yeah. Yes. Man.
0: Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. If y'all have not looked at Vinta Gallery's pieces and Manang's pieces, um beautiful
1: yes i was looking at the website like at the men's and unisex clothing Mm -hmm. uh that shit's fire dude
0: what you want (laughs) i want i was looking at
1: there was like this uh crop top barong (gasps) i I was like holy crap that looks freaking amazing
0: i know i know i know you know know. which one i'm talking about yes
1: man like i know (laughs) i was about to say like I, I wish there was an event so that I could have an excuse to buy these things. But also, to Caroline's point, you don't need to have an event or a wedding or something formal to go. Like these kinds of pieces, <gasps> yes. people just walk down the street looking badass. Hell, I want to walk down the yeah. street looking badass.
0: I love that you brought that up because, again, fashion is an expression. So why do we have to assign certain things to? certain occasions. Yeah. Um, we can find ways to still dress up in a different way that we're not used to, or yeah. dress down in a certain way that you're not used to. Why not wear a barong with some fly sneakers?
1: Yeah. If you okay everybody just go to Vintagallery.com and look at the collections. Like, first of all, these images, like whoever, um whoever produced or like uh directed these photo shoots, good freaking job. Cause these the images are freaking so good.
0: I wonder if it's Caroline, because she's also a photographer.
1: Oh my god, maybe.
0: Yeah. Maybe I should have asked her that. Darn it!
1: But that's Caroline, if cool. you're
0: listening, let us know. Yeah, but these whoever
1: <laughs> took the photos, whoever directed these photo shoots Good freaking job. They're yes. so good. Also, um, I want to buy the all the photos. Of these things.
0: Yes. And also Caroline in all these photos. Fire. <laughs>
1: She's yes. such a great model. <laughs> oh, man. Filipinos are fucking awesome. Dude. I know. I know.
0: I know. You know, one quick thing I will say mm-hmm. uh at my graduation at CalArts, I I wish I had Known Caroline before, like in twenty eighteen when I graduated, but i mm-hmm. I want to give it up to Yuan Yuan Liang, who made my Terno sleeves for my graduation outfit. She made it out of flowers mm. yeah
1: shout outs, shout, shout outs. outs, man, I want to buy all of these things
0: I know I'm trying to save up for more pieces, also, so many takeaways from this episode. Take care of washing your clothes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Basic ass shit. Uh, I like that she, was, she had made the comment that Home ec should come back as like a required course for, for, um, for kids in school.
0: Yes.
1: Because these are very practical things that you have to otherwise learn at home. And you might not have the means to do that successfully. So you might be uh, well into your 20s or 30s and not know how to do laundry.
0: Yeah, seriously. These are
1: very practical things that you should learn like early on. Or cook. Or cook. And or... I am one of those people. <laughs> I mean, I know how to do it, but it's like, eh, do I want to do it? But maybe even, if I had more experience as a young person, I'd be into it.
0: Yes. Or even changing a tire. Like, honestly. Oh my God.
1: That took me forever.
0: I don't care about geometry and I don't use it today. Wait, do I use it? Can you tell me if I use it? I don't think I do. Maybe like
1: spatial awareness. Like if you're trying to move things in your in your living room or bedroom, you're like, is this going to fit? Is this angle furniture going to fit in this angle corner? Maybe. Yeah,
0: maybe. Like, just give me the basics, honestly. But (laughs) I don't think I need a whole fucking year of geometry. I honestly don't. Other than like furniture things. And measuring dimensions, I don't, I don't, I'm not using it. Also, I'm not using algebra.
1: (laughs) You don't? What do you mean you don't use algebra?
0: When do I use algebra? Like When do we use algebra?
1: To like figure out when you split a check with friends, if you're splitting a check or if you're calculating tips.
0: Is that algebra?
1: Like, yeah, you're trying to figure out how much, how much to like divide or like how much the missing person owes. Like if somebody's missing, if there's not enough money,
0: <laughs> oh, then it's okay. like, okay,
1: how much money's how much money do we need?
0: <laughs> okay, well I guess I am. Well, you know what? Put everything that we actually need to use in one year and I think we'll be good.
1: Bottom line, we need home ec <laughs> and we need financial, uh financial responsibility in like middle school, high school.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also I just hate math. i'm not good at it so i'm just just i have a very strong version to it
1: (laughs) Uh, i mean maybe you're not good at it because it was never interesting
0: it wasn't yeah it was until fifth grade when we actually had to start applying things and it wasn't about memorization
1: (laughs) Yeah, I hated word problems and like statistics because it's like, what do you mean I have to like read a whole paragraph to like decipher how much of something needs to be calculated or like. What do you mean I have to read this entire paragraph to figure out what the equation is that I'm supposed to use? I was more of like a plug and chuggy like memorization type of math person, but as soon as you put me in statistics and you're like having me analyze the numbers and like reading word problems, I was like, shit, my reading comprehension actually sucks. (laughs) Damn it. Damn it.
0: Damn it. Bring back home.
1: Give it to (laughs) us now.
0: We should have like a free class on how to survive as adults.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm sure there's a YouTube video about it somewhere. (laughs) You can learn anything on the internet these days. This is
0: true. This is true.
1: Anyway, we digress. We digress. (laughs) Um, Any other final thoughts as we close out this episode, Boo? Or a positive affirmation?
0: There are a lot of moving parts into what we wear and how we wear things embrace your inner fashion statement (laughs) wait oh yeah embrace your inner fashion statement and also love on the folks who are making who are helping make that expression happen
1: Mm. my positive affirmation and or final thought is go out there and make bold choices because you have a bold person inside you. Hell yeah! Yeah.
0: Starting with you, Boo, let's go shopping! Shopping!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening! MeSearch is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti.
0: Editing by Dustin Domingo. If you enjoy MeSearch, make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Also, make sure to check us out at MeSearchPodcast.com and follow us at MeSearchPodcast.
0: We're going to get to the bottom of things.
1: This is MeSearch, folks. Woo-hoo!